We hope you enjoy this podcast from Light Church Edithburg. To find out more about us, visit lightchurch.co. Hey, um, uh, we've got um, some special guests with us, uh, Daniel and Chris Thornton. And um, before I welcome him, uh, maybe just give you a little bit of background about Daniel. He's going to come around the word today and then he's going to, at the end of speaking, just lead a little bit of worship on the piano. And uh, Daniel, I think I've known you for, I don't know, first about 20 years ago or something. Yeah, he's, Daniel's a, he's a songwriter and singer and musician and worship leader. Um, composed, I don't know how many songs, a couple of thousand, I don't know, for the church, but also for areas like um, in New York, just off Broadway, 42nd Street. In the, What theatre was that? Um, Duke Theatre, yeah. And... Um, so just a wide experience of, of, of music and composing, but now he's just part of our team at Alpha Crucis College. Now Alpha Crucis is the college for ACC churches, and just got his doctorate of uh, PhD, uh, and uh, but qualified in lots of areas. He actually teaches the um, the masters of leadership in that college as well, and uh, and as I said, I first met. Uh, Daniel when he was the worship pastor at Influences in Adelaide and the thing I love about Daniel is his spirit uh, loves God and uh, gracious to people I think Jesus said something about that didn't he love God and love your neighbour yeah I do that mind if I ask your neighbour how that's going and I, I just love his spirit, uh, not just a, a talented guy, and, you know, and, um, but a great spirit. And I think there's something about that which is just a, so valuable. And I believe as he shares uh, today, you're going to catch a little bit of that. And as we have a little bit of worship at the end, you know, God's going to, what's going to happen is the spirit of God's just going to, I don't know, I think refresh people. That's what's going to happen. And so why don't you welcome them both and welcome Daniel as he comes to speak. Thanks, Daniel. Well, it's really wonderful to be back here. It's been a few years and Chris wasn't with me the last time I was here, but thank you for allowing us to come. I was in Adelaide uh, earlier this week to lecture a strategic thinking, um, strategic management. It seems a long way away from where I, long way away from music. But um, it's been a real privilege to do that with a number of leaders and, and pastors and, uh, and now to be able to come up here. Thank you. It's been a wonderful 24 hours, even though we've got to get back down to Adelaide this evening for a radio interview. So <laughs> it's, uh, it's good. We've left the rest of the family at home just because they're all growing up, really. Um, our eldest, uh, he is married and uh, they've got two kids and one on the way. So we are grandparents, which all the grandparents said, isn't that wonderful? It's a wonderful thing, isn't it? Grandparenting. And uh, uh, our second eldest daughter is also married. And our youngest daughter, who's 20, is um, holding the fort back home and doing a wonderful job of it, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, she's, she's actually dashing across here tomorrow, so we'll see her. 
because it's my wife's birthday. So if you feel like saying happy birthday to her, tomorrow it's her birthday. There you go. <laughs> well, I, I, re- I wanted to uh, just have a chat this morning before we worship together about the Holy Spirit. God the Spirit. God, the third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit. I don't know what kind of understanding or relationship you have with the Spirit of God. Uh, I'd like to suggest that it's, it's a pretty vital part of our Christian life and understanding uh, to, to know who the Spirit is. And I, I think a lot of the analogies that we've tended to use in church, certainly as I've grown up, have not made the person of the Spirit perhaps particularly relatable because we use all these analogies like wind, you know, the wind of the Spirit and fire and the rain of the Spirit. Now, they're beautiful analogies, right? And, and there's, there's something helpful in each one of those to understand the Spirit. But, but you know, it can kind of make the Holy Spirit a bit mystical and a bit sort of intangible Uh, and the fact is the spirit is a person of the god he has a personality he 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 actually talks you know it's it's not just a a presence a feeling no no the holy spirit someone you can get to know I even think about the kind of analogies that I grew up with uh, hearing. Uh, my dad used to, my dad's favorite analogy for the Holy Spirit is going to make me sound old. So I apologize for any of you who this, you have no idea of what I'm talking about here. But when I started driving, um, they had really only just introduced fairly regularly the idea of power steering. Uh, does anyone remember driving a car without power steering? You, okay, so, so nowadays, you know, you want to do that reverse park and you just kind of do this and you do this and, and you know, the car's in there. Well, before power steering, it was like this. I mean, you got muscles driving a car back before power steering was, was around. Uh, <laughs> but the, the thing is... Uh, Power steering didn't take over the steering for you. It wasn't that you no longer needed to steer. It's just that it amplified what you were doing. It it didn't look like you were doing much, but behind the scenes there was this extra power that was at work to make your little bit accomplish a great deal. And, And I thought, well, okay, yeah, definitely the Holy Spirit empowers us and there's things that he does through us that make our little bit look pretty spectacular. All I did was whatever, I just, I just said hello to that person or I just, or I just gave that person a coffee or, you know, but, but the Holy Spirit's behind doing something far more magnificent. So it's, again, it's not a bad analogy. Uh, it's probably a pretty good one. In fact, it got, I'm not the car person, right? Just give me four wheels, let it get me from A to B without breaking down, please. Because if it does, that's it. <laughs> I'm walking the rest of the way. But, but uh, while I'm not a car person, I, I did think of yet another example of an analogy that might help us understand Holy Spirit. And that was the good old GPS, satellite navigation system. And of course, again, let me just sound old for a moment. 
back when I was learning to drive, you bought, in Sydney it was the, like the Gregory's, I don't know, what did you, was it a Gregory's? Right. And, and if you wanted to go somewhere, you went into the little index and looked up the street and, and you worked out that we were in that map 27 and we need to get to 112 and so we go across and then down and then we've got to remember to turn on the third right and then, you know, we travel that forever and eventually we, we got there and hopefully you try and remember all that or maybe you, you know, stick it on the seat next to you and it was okay, we got there most of the time. Now, I, I can't even imagine someone opening a map anymore, uh, except maybe out in where there is no signal, like Edithburg. I don't have any signal out here. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, now, you, not only do you just tell it where to go, and of course the Holy Spirit actually knows where we need to go, we don't need to put in the address for him, but... Also, he already knows where we are and he gets us there with the best possible route. In Sydney, we've got a lot of toll roads. I mean, you can just drive across the other side of the city and you've spent $30 on tolls. I mean, it's just, it's horrific. But you can tell that navigation system to avoid the tolls. It just then takes you an extra hour to get there. Uh, but... You know, I was thinking about the Holy Spirit, and, and the fact is sometimes he makes us take the toll roads. <laughs> sometimes he makes us take the back route. Isn't there a more direct route to where I'm going, Holy Spirit? No, no, this, this is the right way. This is the way you need to go. So, you know, those car analogies are maybe helpful in some way to understand the Holy Spirit. But even still, perhaps that makes him a little less personable and I really started to think Holy Spirit how could I know you better as a person know your voice know know what it is that you're showing me what you're saying to me because I'll come back to the scripture at the end but in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9 and 10 there's a scripture that's often only the first part is, is often uh put up on a wall or wherever, and it says that I, you, I'm sure you've heard it, I has not seen, nor ear has heard, nor has entered into the, our hearts those things that God has prepared for those who love him. And, and often that, that's where that scripture ends, but it doesn't stop there in 1 Corinthians. It goes on to say, but God has revealed them to us by his Spirit. So, on the one hand, there's all this stuff that we don't know, we can't see, we, we, we haven't heard, we, it hasn't entered into our hearts. And on the other hand, the Spirit is just waiting to bring that to us, to bring that revelation, to bring that word, to bring that thing that makes all the difference. So, I started thinking about Holy Spirit and even, you know, even that, we often say the Holy Spirit because it's both a description, but we don't kind of have a name except for the Holy Spirit. You know, um, normally the something is a descriptor. Uh, so Bob, the builder. Right, right. But his name's Bob. <laughs> but we know he's a builder because it's the, the builder. And, and sometimes, you know, I wonder if even the Holy Spirit kind of makes it seem like we know what he does, but what's his name? <laughs> well, it, it's Holy Spirit. 
the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit. I don't know. I'm sure that Greek and Hebrew doesn't have those issues, but, but we perhaps we do. So as a person, as the third person of the Godhead, what's the Holy Spirit like? How does he engage with us? How do we relate to him? Well, I started thinking about, well, you know, where in Scripture could I go to, to sort of think about the way in which the Holy Spirit's interacting with disciples? Well, of course, you've got to go to Acts, right? I mean, this is like the, of, of course, you've got to go there. This is the Acts of the Spirit. Uh, this is where we see so much of what, what the Holy Spirit was doing with the disciples and through the disciples. And so I started to look uh, as a good scholar now that I got my PhD, <laughs> and, um, and I found a lot of scriptures, well over 20 in Acts, about where there's some interaction between the Holy Spirit and a disciple. I'm not going to take you through every <laughs> of those 20 plus scriptures, um, but what I would love to do is just take you through a few of them and look at how individually the Holy Spirit interacts with people and see how that might give us some idea as to what he might be saying or doing through you. Again, I think because we, we love the miracles that we read in, in Acts and you know, there's some pretty spectacular things that the Holy Spirit does. Sometimes that's the way that we see the Holy Spirit. He's the one who does the spectacular stuff, the miraculous stuff. But as I read through Acts, we're going to see that sometimes, sometimes it's spectacular and miraculous. Sometimes it just seems really ordinary, even mundane. Like, really? Did you need the Spirit to do that? But I love this because it gives us this sense that we're not dealing with, uh, um, this is even before my time, <laughs> we're not dealing with a jukebox Holy Spirit where we stick in the coin and we press the button on the song we like. And, and that's what we get. No, we're dealing with the person of the Holy Spirit who knows us better than we know ourselves. And so when we go, Holy Spirit, I'll have that, thanks. He goes, maybe. <laughs> but he might go, actually, what you really need is this. <laughs> this is what I'm going to do because I know you. I know you better than you know yourself. And I know that you think that's what you need. Actually, this is what you need. Let's take a look through Acts. You know, right there in the beginning of Acts, Acts 2-4, uh, we see that he's, he's doing something spectacular. You know, tongues of fire are descending on the disciples' heads and they're all speaking in, in new languages and, and so that all these people from other countries who have gathered in Jerusalem can now suddenly understand them talking about how good God is and what he's done. And so that's pretty spectacular. And then in, um, in Acts 7.55, while Stephen is being stoned to death, it says that the Spirit gives Stephen a vision of heaven. And he sees the glory of God. I'm pretty sure at that point that my prayer wouldn't have just been for a vision of heaven. <laughs> it would have been that they are all blinded or... Uh, you know, I mean, why not? Uh, just a chapter later, 
the Spirit transports, teleports Philip from being with the, the eunuch to a completely different location. Now, wouldn't that have been helpful for Stephen? Yeah. They throw the first stone, where'd he go? I'm sure if I was Stephen's mother or brother, that's, I, I probably, I don't know, I would have been thinking, Holy Spirit, come on, I know you can do that, you, know, you do it for Philip. What about for Stephen? But no, clearly what Stephen needed at that moment was a vision of heaven and he sees, he sees the Father, he sees the glory of God and he ceases from this mortal life for eternal life. And, and again, I've, um, I don't know, maybe that's spectacular, maybe that's less spec- spectacular than we would like. <laughs> but this is really ordinary. In Acts 8, 29, he tells Philip to go and overtake the Ethiopian's chariot. If you get an urge to overtake a car in front of you, it's probably not the Holy Spirit. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, that, that seems so mundane, doesn't it? Like, just go and overtake that guy. Why? <laughs> Hold on, it's, it's coming. Just, my first instruction is simply go a bit faster. And I wonder how often the Holy Spirit, even with us, is, you know, asking us to do things that might seem mundane or simple or like go and buy that person a coffee or, or oh, why don't you just text that person and s- see how they're going and we ignore it or we just think, ah, maybe it's not that important. A- and, and maybe it's not, but maybe it's the Spirit who's actually trying to position us to get us ready because what he really wants to do is, is up ahead, but it just requires a little bit of movement from us. Well, as I mentioned in Acts 8.39, he physically teleports Philip instantly to a different place. You know, even then, I, I reckon that just would have been so amazing for Philip, but then wouldn't you think he'd go, can we please do that again? <laughs> But it's only ever recorded once in Acts. Okay. (laughs) It seems a bit arbitrary, but but this is because we're not dealing with the the button pressing. He's not a machine. He's not a wish list. He's not the genie. We rub the lamp and we go, I'll have this, thank you. He actually understands us so well that in that moment, he knew that that was the thing that needed to happen and not something else. Philip could have got to where he needed to go by walking or riding. But no, in that moment, he decides this is what's going to happen. And then for something that is probably one of the most spectacular things in in, in, in Acts, the next reference to this Holy Spirit is that he gives, in Acts 9.31, he gives the disciples comfort. He gives the disciples comfort. How ordinary is that? I mean, I could have given someone comfort. <laughs> it seems so unmiraculous compared to what's just happened. But you know, when you need comfort, it's powerful. It's, it, it's far more powerful to receive comfort than a miracle if what you need is comfort. 
the Holy Spirit clearly understood where these disciples were up to in that moment, and he gives the disciples comfort. There's uh, examples where he, he speaks to Paul about things that are coming in advance, and, and uh, that's awesome. Uh, you know, that's the, that whole idea that, that he is outside of our time, can see the beginning. He is the beginning and the end, uh, and therefore sometimes he's showing us things that are up ahead, uh, and sometimes that's so that we'll do something about it. Sometimes it's just so we're aware. Sometimes he's preparing us in some way. In uh, Acts 13.52, I'm just kind of, all, I've got all these scriptures here, but I uh, don't want to go through all of them this morning. It says that the Holy Spirit fills them with joy. Fills them with joy. Again, I, I, I don't know, that may not seem very spectacular to you, but wow, joy is pretty powerful. And again, when, when you need joy, what a gift that is. Because it's one of those things that is not reliant upon any kind of circumstance. The circumstance might be great, it might be really horrible, and joy can still exist in that space. Because it's a gift of the Spirit. Joy in the Holy Ghost, we read. Uh, in Acts 15, 28... So we've, you know, joy, comfort, we may, might think of these sort of as wonderful emotional type things, but what about, is the Holy Spirit sort of logical? Is he intellectual? I love this one. In Acts 15, 28, he gives the leaders wisdom in what parameters they should set for the Gentile Christians. So here's basically what happens. He says to these leaders, your journey is actually going to be different to their journey. And I must say, as a parent, you know, we can often sort of go, well, that's, that was what we had to do when we were growing up, and you should do it too. Uh, it was good for you, good for us. We survived. And, and now that's okay, but sometimes the Holy Spirit's actually going, you know what, with, with that kid, you, you're going to have to be a little bit, you're going to have to go that way. With this one, I'm, going to, I'm shaping them for this purpose. So, you know, you're going to have to work with them that way. Give them that opportunity. I know as parents, we're, we're always trying to be fair with our kids. You know, that's a, it's a very Australian thing, isn't it? Um, Aussie thing to, be, to, to treat your kids equally and fairly. And, um, and yet, they're all unique. And, and I think whether it's your natural kids or whether it's your dis those who, uh, you know, you're, you're raising up in the faith, whether it's those who you're discipling, uh, their journey may be like yours and it may not be like yours, but we need the Holy Spirit because he's the one who goes, yeah, that's the next step for them. In uh, Acts 16.6, he forbids Paul to preach the gospel in Asia. You know, we just, would, surely we would go, no, that's the devil. We've definitely got to rebuke that. We've got to stand in prayer against those forces because, you know, he should be able to preach the gospel in Asia. But it was, it was, just, it was the Spirit who was forbidding Paul to, to preach the gospel in Asia because he's about to open a different door. 
And, I, you know, I think perhaps before racing to call a closed door something from the enemy, we should just make sure that it's not actually the Spirit <laughs> who's saying, no, not that door, because I've got a different one for you. So, in Acts 18, verse 5, at a specific moment, he actually, the Spirit compels Paul to preach Jesus as Messiah to the Jews. So he opens doors too. <laughs> There's all kinds of other interactions that the Spirit has with the disciples. But it seems to me that the, the, what I take from this is just how individually the Holy Spirit interacts with us with us as individuals, with us at certain times. He's saying yes here. He's saying no here. He's, he's trying to manoeuvre us here. He's perhaps not saying much here. But if we can be sensitive, if we can be aware, if we can be attuned, even though no eye has seen nor ear has heard, the Spirit can reveal things to us that we need to see or we need to hear or know.